Well, good morning once again, and happy Sabbath. It is a very happy Sabbath. There's just a lot of smiles today. And to what Bernice just talked about, that there's just a lot of, a strong theme of standing, you know. And, uh, and we, we can stand true, and we can stand faithfully because we know we serve a, a very loving God, right? A loving God. And I'm getting goosebumps right now because uh, what I'm going to share with y'all right now, I didn't think of sharing until just a few days ago. The original sermon was going to be on a continued sermon from, from what we've been talking about, Abraham's seed, for the last few months. months. But uh, last Tuesday, I got a tremendous blessing, a blessing that I did not anticipate or expect would actually happen. And when it did happen on Tuesday, uh, Bobby and I were just so excited on, on what transpired. Uh, had we known what was going to happen, I probably would have gotten a haircut because I'm just looking so, so, so shaggy, right? So, but uh, last Tuesday, I got my citizenship to this country. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Scott. Thank you for welcoming me. And uh, it, it's, it's a tremendous blessing because after what's transpired in the last 11, or I can even bring it all the way back to 25 years ago, and I'll share more about what, what, what I'm really talking about. After what's transpired for so many years, I just feel like at some point in time, maybe I was forgotten by the legal system. Or maybe I was forgotten by God. Whenever you face a challenge in life, where does your mind and your heart usually go to? You know, let's say you get sick. Let's say you get injured or you lose your job. Where does your mind go to? I'm going to be a very honest pastor to you today. I sometimes feel like I get forgotten by God, you know? And uh, if you know my story, dating back to 2012, when I was detained by immigration, I felt forgotten when I was detained. But then I felt remembered when I was released unexpectedly after spending five weeks in there. And then fast forward to this day, between those between 2012 to now, I was supposed to see a judge who would give me back my residency, my green card back. But that never happened because the court case always got delayed. I was released from detainment, I believe, late August or maybe beginning September of 2012, and they said, your court date shall be in 2013. I said, okay, I can wait a few months. Then 2013 became 2014, and 2014 became 2016, 2016 became 2018, and then 2020, my lawyer felt confident, we're going to uh, have our case in May. Then in March 2020, what happened? COVID. So then 2020 became 2021, then finally I saw the judge in 2022, July 2022 of last year. I had to stand in front of him 
and he asked me to tell my story. What have I learned through this entire ordeal from when I was arrested in 1998 up to that point that I was seeing him last year? I told him the one thing I learned was choices and consequences, control and faith. That the choices, the poor choices I made when I was 18 years old in 1998 surely has affected my future. Not just my future, but has also affected my family, my wife, my sisters, my parents, my in-laws, my church, my jobs that I've had. When I was detained, I was detained coming back from a mission trip with my students in July 2012. It affected my students that they had to travel on their own back to Dallas, Texas from Houston, Texas. We were entering uh, through, through Houston. That, that's where we were coming from uh, when we had left on Honduras. So I, I told the judge, I said, what have I learned? I've learned that choices have consequences. But in these consequences, I've, I've learned not to blame others. I've learned to accept and take ownership of my faults, and at this point, I seek your grace and your mercy, your honor, is what I told him, that you may look upon me with favor, those were my words, and, and sure enough, he did. He granted me back, uh, he granted me my residency back in the States, and then, now, here's the difficult part. When they had detained me in 2012, they took my green card and they discarded it. They threw it away. So the judge said, well, you can just, uh, you're, you're a resident once again. You have your green card. Oh, no, I don't have my green card, Your Honor. Oh, then you'll have to apply for it again. So that was last year, July 2022. My lawyer, who uh, Dave Breston and, her, and his paralegal, Myra, uh, Gonzalez, they've been wonderful. I mean, Martinez, Mayra Martinez, have been wonderful. And they said, "We'll go ahead and and apply for your green card once again, but at the same time, we're going to apply for your citizenship, and let's see what happens first. <laughs> well, this is what happened first, and praise God that last last Tuesday on May nine, he answered my prayer, as well as Bobby's prayer. He answered my family's prayer. And had it not gone that way, I think I still would have been okay. But the fact that, that it did happen this way, I felt heard by God, you know, in a very unfathomable way. And I thought that's how I could title this message today, it's, it's my story, just as much as it is your story, because you and I can all resonate with this, that sometimes we may feel forgotten by God, but then he shows promises, answered promises come out, and we know that we are remembered by him. We are remembered by him. And that was the scripture reading that I read this morning. Psalm chapter 105, verse 8 through 10. It says here, He, God, remembers His covenant forever. The word He commanded, which means also that the word He spoke, 
right? That's what it means that he commanded it. it. It's simply that he spoke it. What did he speak? He spoke his covenant for a thousand generations. The same covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, he co- confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. That, this has been our message this this entire month, right? Going back to, to Abraham's story in Genesis chapter 12. We were also on Galatians chapter 3 that there is no Jew, no Gentile, no male or female, no, no free and no slave when you are in Jesus Christ. All of this is now coming into fruition with this verse right here that he God remembers his covenant forever. The word he spoke for a thousand generations. I love this verse because that second word, he remembers, it's not talking about it in the past tense. It's talking about it in the present tense, which means that even to this day, God is making sure that his words will always be fulfilled. That his promises to you and me will always be carried out. Because he's a God, like what Bernice said, he's a God that fulfills his promises in your life. When I'm thinking about forgotten, then remembered, my mind also goes to Where does your mind go to before I tell you where my mind goes to? Forgotten and remembered, then remembered. Where does your mind go to when you hear that phrase? I also think of Joseph's story. Yeah, okay, I see some head nods. If you turn to Genesis chapter 40, uh, yeah, Genesis chapter 40, you see that Joseph has been in prison in some time. He's been in jail for some time. He was in jail because there was a false accusation that was placed upon him. Do you remember that story that Potiphar's wife had said that that Joseph made an advancement on her? Now, who was Potiphar? Potiphar was a commander for Pharaoh, a high-ranking official. And for his wife... To say such a thing, well, who were they going to believe? A slave in Joseph or Potiphar's wife? Joseph didn't contend it, Jim. Potiphar believed Joseph, right? Yeah. Exactly. So instead, he had him imprisoned to save face, even though he knew the truth, in order to save face in front of the entire court of Pharaoh, he threw Joseph into prison. So now we come to Genesis chapter 40. And in Genesis chapter 40, we have two characters that are placed also in the story of Joseph. We have the chief cupbearer as well as the chief baker of Pharaoh's court. Some theologians believe that these two men were placed in jail because there was an assassination attempt on Pharaoh's life. Someone attempted to poison him. They wanted to find out, was it the one that gives him his drink, 
the cupbearer, or is it the one that prepares his food, the baker? Until they could figure out what was, uh, who was guilty, they placed both men in the same jail that, that Joseph was in. That very same night, both men, the cupbearer and the baker, had a dream. Do you remember that dream, right? They were troubled by this dream. They didn't know what this dream meant, so... So as they were talking with each other, as they were distressed by this dream, Joseph overhears them. And he says, well, there's a God in heaven that can interpret your dreams. Tell it to me and I will tell you what it means. And so the, the first one to tell him is the cupbearer. The cupbearer tells him uh, the, there, are, um, there are three branches, okay? Actually, let's just read it. Chapter 40. Verse 9, it says, So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. Well, Joseph prays about it receives enlightenment from God and interprets the dream. In a nutshell, he pretty much tells the cupbearer that this dream is in favor that you're going to in favor of you that you're going to be in the presence of Pharaoh once again, serving him as his faithful cupbearer. Well, the baker on the other hand, seeing that the cupbearer received good news about his dream, tells Joseph, well, I had a similar dream. Can you interpret mine? So then Joseph told him in verse 18 that the three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. Lifting up their heads meaning that he is recognizing the two of them. One of them is recognized as innocent. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hung or hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said in his dream interpretation. Now, all, while all of this is happening, while Joseph was interpreting the dream to the cupbearer, he did ask the cupbearer, remember me. Remember me when you go to Pharaoh. Speak on my behalf, for I was wrongfully imprisoned. I was wrongfully put in chains, wrongfully put in this place. Speak on my behalf to Pharaoh when you have the opportunity. But what does the Bible say here? When he did have that opportunity, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph he forgot him. How does that impact you at this moment? For the times that you felt that you've been forgotten, 
by a loved one, or perhaps God by God. You know, to, to, to be forgotten is not a pleasant feeling. If anything, you feel unwanted, you feel like your value or worth is zero, it's a very, how would you describe that feeling? For me, I, 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 feel, I feel neglected. When I was a child, my dad would pick me up from school. And he would say, come out to this corner of the school by this bush where there's a bench. And sit at this bench and wait for me. I'll be here every day at 4.30. And he was pretty good about that until one day. Until one day. I was, uh, I was probably your age, Kiyo, Kai. Until one day, he forgot. 4.30 became, I looked at my little Spider-Man watch, <laughs> you know. I was like, I think I could, okay, I think this watch is working well. Yeah, I think it's... It's 4.45. Okay, Dad's late. It's all right. My legs don't touch the ground, but I'm sitting on the bench just dangling it, you know, just waiting for Dad. And 4.45 became 5 o'clock, and 5 o'clock became 5.30, and I'm wondering where is my dad. This was before the days of cell phones. Some kids these days, they have cell phones. I had, when I was a teacher, I had third graders who had cell phones, and they could take it out uh, to call their parents if their parents were late. Right? Or we would prefer that they would tell us their parents' phone number and we would call for them. But this was before the days of cell phones, and, and here I was just dangling my feet on the bench, wondering when my dad would come. And he didn't come. Five o'clock became 5.30. Sunlight started to, to go down and started to get darker and darker. And I had no idea where my dad was. This was before the days where the teachers were so concerned that they would tell you, come back into the school. They just left you out there. <laughs> right? They just left you out there to your own devices, right? And so I'm just wondering, where's my dad? Then I heard it. You know what I heard? the loud engine of a diesel, which I don't know why he had a loud diesel engine because it was a small blue Mazda pickup truck that my dad had back in the day. But I heard it from the corner. I heard the... And then you can hear the gears shifting. But when I heard that... I knew right then and there that was my dad. And the thrill that overcame me just, just made me jump to my feet, from dangling feet on the bench, I jumped to my feet, grabbed my backpack. And sure enough, my dad turns the corner, drives around the loop to get me. And I open the door. And I start yelling at him, where were you? Where were you? I was scared. But at the same time, I was very happy to see my dad. Sometimes we may be forgotten by our loved ones. But as I look back at that moment in my life, being forgotten by my dad, now I realize how much of a blessing it was. Do you know why it was a blessing for me? 
I can only understand it now as an adult, but as a kid, I felt like my dad didn't love me. But now, hindsight, I look back at it and I realized the reason why I felt so forgotten by my dad is because he and I have absolute love for each other. Does that make sense? We are only hurt because of the love that we know we have for each other. If we say something ill to one another, if we accidentally let something slip from our tongue and we're surprised by like what they said, I'm not excusing the fault, but we can learn that that is rooted out of love. Joseph being forgotten by the cup bearer. You know what was his driving force? Joseph's driving force? He would always say, if you read his story through the various chapters in Genesis, he would always talk about his dad. I want to know, my father, Israel, is he still alive? That's one of the first things that he asks of his brothers when he finally makes his presence known to his brothers. You remember his story. I won't go into it in detail right now, but the first thing he asks of his brother is of his brothers is is Israel. Is he still alive? Because his his fears and his his hurt for being forgotten and being separated, it's all because of that love that he has for his dad. His faithfulness, though, Joseph's faithfulness does come into fruition. Genesis chapter 41, it tells us, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. And this dream troubled Pharaoh. Pharaoh. So how long has Joseph been in prison for? We can at least assume that it's been at least two years. I think it's been a little bit longer. It's not precise. It doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how long he's been in there from the time that Potiphar leaves him in jail until he meets the cupbearer and the, and the baker. And then from the time the cupbearer and the baker are released, it's, an, it's two years. So we could safely say that he's been in there longer than two years. Two years in jail is a long time. Two years after he has been promised by the cupbearer that I will speak on your behalf, but only to be forgotten, that is a long time. Two years. Put yourselves in his situation, in his shoes. How would you feel? How would you react? Would you have stronger faith or would your faith waver perhaps? So the Bible tells us that when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a troubling dream. And he wants to know what this dream means. And then, and then as faith would have it, as the Pharaoh is sharing this dream to, to his court, the cupbearer overhears and says, I remember, I actually remember a man who had interpreted my dream for me and told me that I would be once again in your presence. Then he remembered Joseph. Forgotten, then remembered. I often wonder why Joseph really had to sit in there for two years. Do you ever wonder that? 
maybe when you have been sick for some time or injured for some time or without a job for some time or whatever challenge you're facing, you're wondering, God, why am I waiting for that answer from you? Have you just forgotten me? Why do you think God allows us to wait? Why do you think he allows us to wait? I think he allows us to wait so that when we do receive the blessing, it's rich. The blessing, we learn how to appreciate it more when there's more struggle behind it. Now, here's a point that someone might bring up, though. What if that blessing that I seek never comes into fruition? What if I pray for healing and healing never comes? What if I pray for that work and the job never comes? What happens then? I think you and I need to have the faith of that of the characters in the Bible. Turn your attention to Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. We have a character who is in prison, just like Joseph was, who says this. Paul is the one speaking in Philippians 1.21. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? To die is gain. That's faithfulness. Whether you are praying and hoping that that blessing or that deliverance may come, or if that deliverance and blessing does not come in how you imagine it to come, that in itself is a blessing as well. For what does Paul say? Paul says, for me to live is Christ. If I'm going to receive a blessing that allows me to continue on, then I get to live for Jesus Every single day until I don't breathe of it anymore. That's what he's saying. That, that is what he's saying there. Then the second part that he's saying is, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. If that blessing doesn't come, if I am to die imprisoned, if I am to die in chains, well, what is he going to gain? The next thing he sees is Jesus. The next thing he sees is Jesus. He wins regardless of what will happen. It's a win-win situation if you have Jesus in your life. So, brothers and sisters, if you and I ever feel forgotten, I think the true answer there is that God is still present in your life. You're not forgotten. I think he allows us to go through suffering. He allows us to go through these times of, of being in our heads. He allows us to go through these times of, I think sometimes he wants us to doubt him. That might sound sacrilegious, but I think God actually wants us to experience this so that our faith can only be made stronger, right? He allows us to go through these moments of solitude and sadness and grief. So when we do receive the blessing, then it's a blessing well received. 
And if the blessing doesn't come, it's like what Paul said. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's, that's tough, though. I'll be honest, right? That's tough. To, to pray for strength through a challenge and then to wonder, God, will it ever come? Can I still have that? Can I, I, can I have that faith that Paul had to where he can say to die is gain? That, that part is hard. It is. But we, we, we serve a risen Savior that understands that himself. He does. At the Garden of Gethsemane, what did Jesus do? He experienced that very same thing. He said, if there's any other way, take this cup away from me. But if this is how it has to be, then I will do it faithfully. So bringing this back to full circle, to be a citizen of this country, I don't know what it means to you to be a citizen of this country. But for me, it means a lot of things. Not just the ability to vote or the having the right to vote or, or the, to have the similar rights that, that any other normal citizen would have. Uh, to me, it means I can stay home. To a place that I have called home since I moved here when I was three years old in 1983. To be a citizen also means that I get the opportunity to go to places with my wife because up until this point, I couldn't leave this country. To be a citizen means I, could, I can now once again go to mission trips. The last mission trip I was on was in 2012, and I couldn't leave the country, and that's why I haven't been able to go to other mission trips. To me, to be a citizen means I can now say yes when, when others ask if I can lead a group out there. It was so ashamed, I was so embarrassed when, when I had leaders in the hospital ask me, can you lead our mission team in Peru or Nepal? And I would have to say, oh, no, I can't do it because of my legal immigration situation. So to me, to be a citizen means I can say yes to that again. To me, to be a citizen also means most of all, most of all, that I have been vindicated by God because for the longest time I felt like I've been, I've had guilt, you know, for the years. See, my head also goes there, not just being forgotten, but that, God, have I not received this blessing because because what I did back then was so horrendous that I'm not deserving of your blessing. Do you ever sometimes feel that way? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what this citizenship means the most to me, is that it lifts that burden away. That I can see and I can recognize that... It's not the government of the United States of America 
that finds me worthy, but that it's God that makes me worthy, you know? So that's what it means. And, you know, I was prepared. The reason why it was unexpected for us last week was because my lawyer, as she, uh, as the paralegal prepped me for for the appointment with USCIS on Tuesday, she said, uh, we're hoping that you'll get your citizenship, but there's a good chance that you won't because of your criminal record and because of your deportation proceedings that have transpired. So she said, don't get your hopes up. And I said, okay. And, you know, I was grateful. And, and that's where I was trying to really focus on Paul's words for me to live as Christ. I'm going to keep living my life for Jesus. I'm going to keep serving. And for me, the, the part that, and to die is gain, if I don't get my citizenship, guess what? I'm still blessed. I can still live in this country, you know? I can still serve regardless. So I was prepared on not getting my citizenship. And so when that interview came, the officer, the, the, um, the agent at USCIS the immigration officer asked me the questions, and as I answered them, and as he closed his files on me, which, by the way, I have a thick file. I don't know if you've ever seen your file, you know, which, which while, I, while I'm going to digress a little bit. As he closed that file of mine, I was thinking, my mind went to the book in heaven, you know, the, uh, the why am I blanking out? The book of life, right? So what does Bobby's file, uh, God's file on Bobby look like? Is it this thin while mine is going to be this, <laughs> this heavy? You know, that's what I was thinking. My mind went there. So anyways, um, he closes his file and he said, okay, well, you did really well. And I said, so when do you think I'll find out whether I am granted my citizenship or not? You know, I thought it was going to take another I thought it was going to take another two months, and then they might say, oh, it's, it's delayed once again, so it's going to take another two months. It's delayed again. It's going to take a year, because that's what I've experienced this past 11 years. And, and so he said, well, actually, I'm going to go to, to, um, to my superiors right now, and we're going to review your file, and, and I'll come back in a few minutes. But he never said it's going to be, it's accepted or not. He just said he'll be back in a few minutes. What does that mean? You'll come back in a few minutes and say I'm denied? So then he leaves, and I'm in there for like 10 minutes, and I'm making sure that I'm trying to appear calm. Because have you ever seen a Dateline TV show? And the, and the person that's being questioned, whether they are the guilty party or not, they always look nervous, right? And there's a camera that's just focused on them. And then I remember in one episode of Dateline, they talk about how they're looking at the, the person to see how they're going to sweat, to see how they're going to act. Because that's going to give them a hint whether that person is guilty or not, right? Well, guess what? There's a camera on the desk pointing at me. And I don't know if it's activated, so I'm just trying to look calm. So, and then I realized, well, this, 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 the way I'm sitting right now is not the usual way to sit, so let me change my position. And I'm just thinking, is this camera really watching me? Ten minutes is a long time when you're waiting for something, right? 
Then I hear voices in the hallway. I recognize his voice. Then I heard the voice of a very familiar person to me. I heard Bobby's voice. And I was thinking, wait, if he's bringing Bobby back here, that's got to be good news, right? Doesn't mean I'm getting locked up in chains again and I'm going to get detained once again. So he opens the door and Bobby comes in smiling. And when I see that, when when I saw and heard that, I knew right then. I was approved, you know. And then, sure enough, he walks in with a certificate of my citizenship in his hand. And this flag, and the flag, you know, these two things. Uh, yeah, he he had that in his hand, the citizenship and and the of certificate, as well as the flag. He had it in his hand, and then Bobby was on his right side, and then he has Bobby come in to join us. I knew then that I was approved. Love you too, Stan. Sorry, I never gave you a ride in my car. I'm glad you still love me. <laughs> Man. And you know, as I look back at this picture, um, even though, as uh, Bobby says, she would have fixed, her, fixed herself up better and I would have gotten my hair cut, it was such a cool coincidence that she's wearing red and I'm wearing blue. You know, that was a pretty cool coincidence. But it was such a blessing to receive this citizenship. Now I share my story knowing that you go through your own struggles. And there's something that when you overcome an obstacle, um, when I was a chaplain, we called it uh, survivor's guilt. Now that I know I received my blessing, I pray that you receive your blessing. Because then I started thinking, do I really tell this story and share this story? Because then what if it's the person that did not receive their blessing yet? What makes me better? I'm not any better. What I will say to you, though, is I will keep on praying for you and with you. For I will not let this citizenship go to waste. I will not. And when you receive your blessing, you don't let your blessing go to waste. 